This is CouncilCast, part of the Legal Talk Network, and I'm your host, Karen Conroy. When you face a complex case outside your expertise, you bring in a co-counsel for next-level results. When you want to engage, expand, and elevate your firm, you bring in a marketing co-counsel. In this podcast, I bring in marketing experts who each answer one big question to help your firm achieve more. Here's today's guest. Hi, I'm Philippa Games, and uh, what I care about is whether your website is working for you. So if you have a website, but you don't really know what's going on with it, then essentially you're shooting in the dark with everything that you're putting into it. And uh, that's what I'm looking forward to chatting with you that today. That is Karen. so good because I can't even tell you the number of times I've started like an initial call with a firm. The very first thing they say is, we don't even really know if we want a website because every website we've ever had doesn't work. <laughs> and I think, I think, okay, well, that's not, <laughs> that's not good <laughs> for one. <laughs> like that's not a good place to start. And that's not how it should be either. So if your website's not working, you don't, that's not just status quo. You don't just stick with that. We, that's a problem to begin with. Like let's identify a non-functional working revenue generating website as not, not good. <laughs> that's a problem we need to fix. So Philippa, thank you for being here to begin with. <laughs> I appreciate this insight and like, and so much information about how we're going to talk through all of this about how to look at the numbers and the analytics and what's going on on your website and look at where there are problems and, and how to fix those. So the title for the show today is Website Analytics, Overcoming Hidden Obstacles. And the guest is Philippa Games. Thank you again for being here. So let's start with some of the main, I know you've got this great blog post about leaks on your website, potential issues where you've got problems and leaks. So what are some of the main places where you can just look at a website or the analytics? Where do you start? Actually, the good news for anybody who hates numbers is that I don't start with the website at all. Oh, great. I start by talking to the business owners or the marketing director or whoever you know I'm working with and talking about the business. Yeah. Because the truth is that the numbers are completely useless to you unless you know what you're looking for. Yeah. And what you're looking for is what do you want that website to do for you? Yeah. Right. So what's your business about? What, what messages are you trying to get across? And most importantly, what do you want people to do when they've seen your website or when they've seen a particular page? Because that might be different on different pages. Yeah, yeah. So it's really important to understand that and to really get, you know, what are the outcomes that I'm looking for? Because without that, you can look at numbers all day and it really doesn't make any difference. Yeah. I mean, most people who who really struggle with this stuff what they do is they create a dashboard and they say oh great so let's did we have more visitors this week than we did last week yeah and if the answer to that question is yes they go oh great it's working now we can do something we, li we like doing right yes. yeah. <laughs> but, let's go have a cocktail we're done <laughs> yeah but of course the truth is that just because you've got more visitors this week than last week it doesn't mean they're the right sort of visitor right 
What if your website mean. got hacked? What if all of a sudden all your visitors are coming from the Ukraine somewhere and they're getting in there and like spreading bad messages? Not a good sign. Like that is not a positive metric. Right. Well, of course we shouldn't we shouldn't denigrate Ukrainians. No, um, sorry. Okay, <laughs> somewhere else, somewhere that yes. you don't want them to be coming from. <laughs> but, but but no, and they could be perfectly legitimate, lovely people, but they're just sure. not the right prospect for you. Right. So just numbers without context doesn't really tell you anything. Yes. Okay. I love this. And I'm going to give two examples. So we work with a lot of personal injury attorneys. They care about these numbers. Like they sleep and breathe these numbers. They look at and regularly they're looking at those top level traffic numbers. Once again, not my recommendation of what matters. As compared to, there was a firm we once worked with that is in DC and they do appellate law. So all of their clients and business comes in from people who are filing these appeals. They do not want to go down to the consumer level. They didn't really even, the the whole purpose of the website was just for branding and to have their name out there and their contact information. They didn't want any traffic because that's not, that was not their goal. Their goal was to just look good basically and support the overall firm in, in that way. But they didn't, They were not going to get business that way. And any leads that came in through a website were probably going to be garbage. So two super different kinds of goals and reading the numbers in each of those cases or looking at the reports or answering the phone even is going to have a different feel depending on which firm you're in. Right. Although if I can just push back on you for a second. Yeah, sure. Even your firm that thinks that they don't get business from their website. So they may not get the direct lead they may not you know get the call but that doesn't mean that people aren't checking out their website just to do their due diligence to do their research to to read a bit more about the lawyers what they talk about what their expertise is absolutely so, so it's actually often a mistake to think that that your website plays no role in getting your business right even if you you know it's not the most direct way Right, exactly. Well, and that was essentially why we did the website to begin with. They had not no presence before that. And so it was much more of a, we just need to have a presence. We need to look like we're professionals. We need to support this brand for that reason. So that when people come to, they're already partway down that decision process. And when they come to support that decision, we're there and we're saying the things they want to hear, period. Right, and But right. they did not care about Google search. They did not care how they were showing up in search results. That part, they wanted their name to show up, actually, that one with that one ca- caveat. But other than that, totally different feel and conversation and goals and messaging and approach for a firm like that as compared to a personal injury attorney who cares so much for you know all of for all of the numbers and everything that's happening and just pulling in large numbers of of traffic and phone calls and all of that right and by the way that's a very in, uh, important distinction the one you just made between about the keywords so you know when we talk about keywords I know you've had SEO shows. We talk about branded keywords and non-branded keywords. So the branded keyword is where you show up for your own name. Yes. And and with Google, you pretty much don't have to do SEO for that because Google's pretty good at that after several lawsuits and so on. But if 
I mean, obviously, for a personal injury lawyer, you know, people are looking online for help me. I just got hit and I, you know, I got car crash or anything. And I need a, I need an attorney. Yeah. And that's and those people won't have heard of you. Right. So they're looking for what you do, not what your name is. Yes. And so it's it's really important to be aware of whether or not people are looking for what you do. Because that's a very different way of promoting and, and you need content. You need, you know, stuff on your website that's going to show up for those kind of searches. Yes. Let's talk about the content because uh, it's such a topic. Everybody's talking about it, especially with AI. So what are some problems that you see with the way that websites are using content where let's just kind of stay in this idea of the blog post where you talk about leaks. So potential problems and issues with website content. So actually the most important problem I see is that it's not, people aren't leveraging it. Okay. So actually these days, so now we have a new version of Google Analytics called Google Analytics 4 that I'm sure you've heard all about. Oh yeah, <laughs> GA4. <laughs> and, yeah. Yes, it's, I mean, it has its problems, but it's a very, very powerful tool if you use it well. And one of the things that you can tell a lot more about is engagement metrics for content. So how much of your content are people actually consuming? And one very interesting thing about, say, for example, videos. So people like to make videos. If you look at you now, you can look at how much of the video do people actually watch? Yes. Yeah. And it's amazing. Within 30 seconds of your video, you're going to lose at least 50% of your traffic. This is what you see on average. Yep. Unless... Something in that first 30 seconds says, this is why you absolutely must watch the rest of this video, the yeah. whole thing. Right. Yeah. Right. And people don't realize that. So yeah. they spend the first 30 seconds going like, hello, my name is yeah. and blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah. And everybody gets bored and tunes out and they're gone. Yeah. And all the rest of the video is completely wasted. Yes. Yeah. And honestly, I feel like video content production has become so sophisticated because when you start to look at the way that the the very successful video channels are producing content, they have these formulaic structures and they have a hook and then they have this kind of this whole kind of structured system of making sure that they're pulling you through and threat, you know, and it's, it's kind of like a really well done TV show or movie where they're making sure that there's like this rhythm throughout the episode. And so it's not just like slap together a video on your phone and throw it up on YouTube and expect that it's going to go viral. People are way more sophisticated than that now. Right. Right. Yeah. Let me what say another thing about yeah. content. What if you are a website that depends on content to to draw people in? So so content is really important because it's great search engine fodder, but it also tells people doing their research about your expertise, your firm's expertise, right? Right. What you're really good at, what you know, and. One of the other things we can do for analytics is if you have a lot of content, it can be a really great thing to have a site search engine, right? Like a so search a, box on the a on search the box on yeah. your site that sure. people can find the content that they need. Yeah. Now that you can track. So you can see what kinds of searches people are putting in. Sure. And that is an absolute goldmine because it's telling you what people expect of your content. Yes. And so if you don't have content about stuff that people think you should have, right there, you've got market research and ideas right. for the kind of content that you can create. And they'll go, f and, they'll go find it. They'll leave yeah. and go find it somewhere else if you don't have it. 
<laughs> but it also can give you ideas for new products. So let yes. me, can I tell you a quick story about yes, one of my, yes, one of my so some, some time ago I worked with an employment law firm uh, here in California. So these guys, they didn't do litigation. They did training. Oh, so they train some of the big companies out here in, in, you know, we have a lot of tech companies out here in Silicon Valley. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they were training them in how to avoid, you know, sexual harassment situations and all the sort of employment law issues. Right. Sure. And on their website, they had tons of content and they had an ask the lawyer section where people could come along and ask questions. And we started looking at the questions that people put in there. And we realized that even though their client, their paying client is the, is a corporate company, is the company. Yeah. There were a lot of individual employees who were coming and asking questions like such and such is happening. Is it harassment? Can I sue? Sure. And those employees are not their, not their potential client. Right. They don't want to do business with them. But yeah. there were so many of these questions that we got the idea of, of making some ebooks. Oh. So we created several ebooks. So, for example, if you think that you're being sexually harassed, um, a lot of workplace situations, and I, I'm not, this is not legal, I'm not a lawyer, right? But sure, as yeah. I understood it from my clients, a lot of situations are not actually harassment legally. Yeah. Sure. And so, you know, the ebook was kind of on the premise of before you see an expensive lawyer, here are some basic questions to ask. Yeah. Loads of disclaimers, obviously. Sure, sure. And we sold these things for like 15, 20 bucks. Yeah. Because that's a heck of a lot cheaper than consulting a lawyer. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and we made, you know, am I being harassed or I'm being accused of harassment or I think I've just been unfairly terminated or I think I should be getting overtime pay and I'm not. And we also made some on the employment side, like, you know, here's here's a, an overtime manual or whatever. And anyway, these things. So they're little ebooks, right? Yeah. So they're really easy. It's a PDF, right? You put it together. You've got a basic shopping cart. Yep. And honestly, this stuff made several thousand dollars a month. Just, nice. Just, just, <laughs> just keeping because, the lights on. And just because you could see that there there were these questions being asked on the website that were going nowhere and they probably right. weren't going to go anywhere because that wasn't their target client but right. there's just money being left on the table where right. it's like they have the answers and they could just provide that and they right. and these people weren't ever going to become a client on either neither the firm nor the client actually wanted to work together because it, exactly. the firm was too expensive the client wasn't right for the firm but they still needed answers to their questions and they were happy to shell over 20 bucks instead of some giant consulting right. fee and yeah. the thing is that it 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 it's completely runs itself because once you've got sure. you know it's a it's a file download that's all yeah. it is yeah you so set up an you, email yeah. kind of response sequence and you set it up once and hit turn it on and it goes and that's just right. collects money. Yeah. That is perfect. <laughs> yeah. So that's a perfect example of taking that information from your site. And it's not even necessarily the numbers and the analytics. It's looking at what people want on your mm -hmm. site. Where are right. they going? What are they searching for? And I think so a lot of people start with this kind of customer journey, like where they they want people to go. But then they don't ever really check back through to see if that's happening, number one, or if that's what they want. 
So how can we figure that out? How can, what can we look at to recognize, okay, first of all, is my customer journey right? If I'm assuming that I want them to come to the homepage, then go to, you know, page two and then go to this other thing and then come to the content. And this is what I'm assuming the journey should be. But then is that right? Number one. And number two, what are they actually doing? So that's a great question. And, you know, part of the problem is everybody thinks that you come in, everybody comes to the website through the homepage. Yes. In fact, that's totally not true. Right. Which is something else, obviously, you can tell from the analytics. But yeah. a lot of people, especially if you have great content, people are going to be coming to your website through all sorts of different pages. Sure. And, and they so, should be. That's the whole point of those pages. <laughs> right. You, you know, people like to talk about the sales funnel on a website. And honestly, the sales funnel in in my book, unless you're selling a widget and you literally are going this, this and this and this, right? Yeah. In this, in the context that we're talking about, that almost certainly isn't what's happening. Sure. Yeah. And so people are going all over the place. Yeah. And they don't follow a linear path. And unless you tell them where to go, they won't. And right. so a lot, again, we were talking about leveraging content and blog posts and all of this fantastic content that you may have on your site, but then you've got to have what we call in marketing, a call to action. Yes. Right? You've got to say, all right, you've read this, you're interested, you want to know more, click here. Right. And and the click here, and obviously I don't mean click here, you've got to say what it is, but yeah. but but the call to action needs to be strategically placed. And a lot of people have it at the bottom of the page. Right. And and again, with analytics, with Google Analytics 4, for example, now you can see how far down the page people scroll. Yeah. And it's amazing how many again, how many people don't get to the bottom of the page. Right. If they don't get to the bottom of the page and your most important content is at the bottom of the page, they're not going to see it. Right. So one of the things that people don't think about is, well, why don't you have more than one call to action? <laughs> I mean, not necessarily a different call to action, but why don't you put it in more than one place? Right, right. If you think about Amazon, that one click to buy button is right at the top, right? It's right yeah. in your face as you come onto the sales page. Yeah. And and there's a reason for that, right? Right. That's not coincidental. So, they know no. that that's how it works. Right. <laughs> They've tested because, that. Yeah. Because if you scroll down, you can always come up or you can, you know, get it in different ways. But the thing is to think about the, the points where somebody might be saying, wow, this is really helpful. I think I need this. Yeah. And then they're going to say, how do I get it? And if, if, if there's at that point, any friction in a way, any obstacle, I know you're, we're talking about obstacles on this, on the podcast, yeah. right? But yeah. If there's anything, any, if they can't find how to get, how do I get this immediately and easily, then you've lost them. Right. And at the very least, it's a bad impression because right. now all of a sudden they're like, why is this difficult? Is this what it's going to be like to work with this person? And so now I'm like the, this impression and this idea, it, it shouldn't be like this. Whereas right. when you go to and you have a really great experience, whether it's on a website or in a restaurant or a hotel or whatever, all of a sudden, instead of your brain saying it shouldn't be like this. They're like, oh, why isn't everything like this? You know, right. everything seems so intuitive. And I, they're, they're thinking of me before I even think of it myself. That's how you want them to move through your website too, where like you've got the answer and it's right there before they have to look for it. Right. Okay. And, and don't, don't ask them too many questions. Like if you want them, if you, if you want them to fill in a contact form, 
Um, you know, yeah. okay, name, email address, maybe a phone number, but don't ask for their life story at that point. Yeah. There, I've seen um, a lot of firms that their initial contact is like this intense intake form. Tell me all about your case. Tell me right. like where you were born and your mother's made a name. And, you know, right. it's got like 75 fields. And I have seen firms where they are so busy and they're just before kind of a growth phase where they're going to hire people. And so they actually don't want a lot of traffic. And unless you're in that situation where you are actually trying to turn people off by your intake form, don't do that. <laughs> That's a bad idea. <laughs> right. And again, you know, the, the, the power of analytics is that you can test all of these things and you can right. find out where your obstacles are. So, yeah. for example, now with with GA4, and I, I'm pushing GA, I'm not pushing it. I mean, obviously, it's the most used analytics program around. There are yeah. certainly others. But you can, for example, find out if somebody started to fill in a form and didn't finish it. Oh, that's so such, now, that's so helpful yeah. to know too, because it's right. like, okay, I'll give you my email. I'll give you my, maybe my first name. I don't know about my last right. name, right. but now you're asking for my phone number and now I'm feeling a little like, you know, kind of strange about this and I'm going to stop here. Like you've asked me too many questions. I feel uncomfortable. And so I'm going to move on. So that's, that's super helpful to know. Right. And, and obviously if you weren't tracking analytics, you wouldn't know that because they haven't finished the form. So you don't get the form. Right. Whereas if you do start getting, so this is where I, going back to what we said at the beginning, yeah. you need to know what are the outcomes that I want? What do I yes. want people to do? Yeah. So if you've got that list, then you know that filling in that, that lead form maybe is one of your key outcomes. So if you're using analytics properly, then you'd want to say, okay, so how is that form working for me? Yes. Do people start filling it in and stop? You know, do they find it easy? All of those things. Do they yeah. even find the form, right? Do I have right. enough people? Do I have enough ways of driving people to that form? Oh, okay, awesome. Okay, so another point in your article talks about credibility. And this is such a big thing for attorneys because we talk a lot about building trust. And, you know, for most of these clients that are coming to attorneys, a lot of times it's going to be the first time and it's overwhelming. It's probably a significant issue or concern or problem or whatever the case might be in their life. And they need to believe that you can, that you understand that and that you can do it. So where are some problems, obstacles, leaks, whatever we want to call it with credibility issues in, in all of this? So, you know, another thing that I love to talk about is the emotional connections that people can make online because people buy people, right? They don't right. buy. So, for example, I would say, you know, a video where the lawyer introduces themselves. Yes. Where yes. you can come across as a person and talk about the kinds of law that you really enjoy doing or the kinds of cases that you enjoy taking on. Yeah. It's a lot more impactful if it's a video than if people read it because they won't read it. Yeah. Well, and think about how much more you get out of a video, just the feelings as compared to a still photo. We have a right. personal injury firm in Chicago, and their point of differentiation was that they really sit down at the kitchen table. So they don't make that potential client come into the office. They go to them and sit down at their kitchen table. And that was something that all of their clients talked about. So we put together this really compelling video. And I will say, making a video like this takes time. It's expensive. But for a firm at this level that's trying to convey something that complex, 
it's really successful. So in the end, it's worthwhile. And so conveying this idea of sitting around the kitchen table, I guess we could have found a picture of a kitchen table, but like that's <laughs> sort of corny and not going to be nearly as good as you seeing the, the expressions on the face and that they're sitting at this table. And then the client leans in and gives them a hug. Like you just have this strong feeling after you've seen like six seconds of this video. Right. And, and I would also say that, you know, there are plenty of evidence that people, people know when it's phony and when it's not yes. authentic. Yes. And the other thing is, of course, you can get your clients to give you video reviews yes. as opposed to just written reviews. Yeah. But Tell another big piece of advice that I would offer is a lot of websites have a page of testimonials. Yes. Right. Here's our, what our clients say. And guess what? Nobody goes to those pages. <laughs> yes. Because, because why? Because you don't want to read a load of, you know perfectly well that they're all going to say this firm is the bees and it is great, right? Yeah. You're not going to put the negative ones up there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, but, and we also know that testimonials and reviews do have an impact without question. Yes. And so, again, my advice, it's the same kind of thing as calls to action. Don't have them on a separate page, but sprinkle them yes. throughout your website so that, as people are reading the content that they want to read, that they're yeah. enjoying, they'll see, oh, and by the way, so-and-so said this about the firm and, you know, yeah. and it resonates and it goes with maybe the content of that page and so on. Right. Yeah, I think that's really compelling because it's the same, technically it's the same content. We're talking about the same testimonial. We're talking about the client saying the same thing, but putting, I can't tell you the number of times I've seen these firms, put them all on one, right. slap them all together, put them on a page. It seems like that's how you should sort of organize it. And it feels sort of organized that way. But like you said, who's going to go, that feels egotistical to go and like just read great things about this person. But if I'm on this page and it's talking about a truck accident and I just had a truck accident and mm -hmm. I have big, strong feelings about what that meant for me. And then all of a sudden there is this quote that really speaks to the feelings that I have about my truck accident. All of a sudden that feels a lot different than just going to a testimonial page. Why would I go there and like sort through to look for one that means something to me? That's you right. have to do that work for them. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, testimonials, I, mean, I feel like just sorry to add one more thing about testimonials. It's not that they don't work because obviously if reviews didn't work, Amazon wouldn't, you know, you, you wouldn't see people talking about how many thousands of five star ratings they have and all of those things. So it really is important to kind of boost your credibility that way and have those reviews, but to do it in the right way. Right. So, you know, again, if we go back to kind of what we're trying to get people to think about and you, yeah. and you said people hate numbers, but Again, just going back to the point about make it about your business, make it about what you want your website to do for you, yeah. make it about what you want people to do when they come to your website, when they've read certain pages, when they've right. consumed certain content, and then use the analytics to find out if that's happening. And yes. you, you can, you can, I mean, hopefully you can hire somebody like me to, to find, I mean, to give you more than that, right? right. To look for the kinds of red flags that, that we see that we, we're sort of used to looking for and so on. Yeah. But but unless you have a, a plan or a strategy for it, for approaching the site and thinking about some of the things we've been talking about, then you will just look at numbers and it, and it all becomes like a blur in front of your eyes, right? Right. And it just seems like, okay, I, I'm not really sure 
how, because there are so many numbers that you look at in analytics. And so it's like, I'm not really sure what all of this is. So I'm just going to keep going back to that top level number. Are we going up or down from one month to the next? And it's like, who cares? Like, that is not the thing. <laughs> what, at the very least, what you, what, most firms who care about like the, their revenue bottom line numbers should be looking at is if your revenue is changing and your call volume is changing and you're getting the kind of clients you want and then tie that back to what's happening on the website and if those people are coming in in the way that, you know, and, and even right. asking those offline questions, you know, asking in the intake, where did you where did you hear from us? What did you do to search to get to our website? Although people won't necessarily remember that but That's I mean, it's a great question but you know but as, as I'm saying I mean I I the things I look for are ways to increase revenue which means increasing the right kind of traffic not just any traffic yeah and then increasing the outcomes by making sure that your calls to action are working looking for any obstacles that we've talked about like you know not forms that are too painful to fill in and so on looking for content that you're not leveraging that nobody's seeing either because nobody's going to it or because they've got bored and fallen out of it. Yeah. Right? If there's a certain area of content that a certain, that a firm is determined that they really want people, they feel like it's important for their visitors to see, but it's just not really registering. Do you have any tips for why, not necessarily why that might be, because obviously that's going to change from one site to the next, but things they should look for, in order to improve potential problems or issues or things on a certain, you know, a certain piece of content or a batch of content that they're trying to kind of boost? Yeah. So typically, if you have content that you think is really valuable, but nobody is looking at it, yeah, then usually, in my opinion, there's one of two things happening. Either A, you don't understand your audience. And in fact, they're not interested in it. Sorry. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Well, and, and, you know, people do, I mean, it's like keywords, right? People make a list of keywords for SEO that they think are the ones people are going to look for. And in my experience, almost always, I mean, you've got to have a plan. So you do that. But then when you actually track what actually happens, you almost always get surprised about yes. certain words or certain topics that people are really looking for or yeah. not looking for that you, you didn't expect. Yeah. The other big problem with content, if, if nobody's fine looking at it, is that people miss. Can they find it? Yeah. You know, is it because you're simply not driving them to it? There's no navigation that takes them to it. It's not, it's not coming up in the search engine or whatever. And one of the things I find a lot is, I mean, constantly I'll, I'll talk to a website owner and they'll say, and I'll say, I can't find it. And they'll say, but for the words right there, it's obvious. Right. <laughs> Um, I'm looking at it. I look at it every day. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And the thing is, people, and, and it's not your fault, but people get so close to their own website that, of yeah. course, they can no longer see it in, in the shoes of somebody who's never seen it before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, I think that's and, so true. Um, yeah. Yeah. So but also, I, like, make sure that you have those links and the cross-references and the easy... You, you may feel like it's being redundant, but it's not. Usually, you need to have, you know, multiple things in multiple places so that it's very clear that there's more content. You can find this other stuff over here that's, you know, kind of, you know, tangentially related. And, and it should be more obvious and clear than what you probably even think, especially if, if like we're saying, there's something that, that's, that you want to get out there that's not quite working the way you want it to. 
Right. And, you know, in addition to analytics, analytics is numbers and it's great data and it tells you what's happening, but it doesn't tell you why it's happening. Yeah. That you have to figure out. And that's where, you know, sometimes if you get somebody who's got a good instinct for this stuff, it's really helpful. But, you know, user testing can be really useful. Yeah. And one of the things that you can do is just set somebody a task, somebody who doesn't know your site, right, and say, okay, sit down at the computer and find X. Yeah. And you don't, you stand behind them so you can watch what they're doing, but you're not actually directing them in any way. And it can be quite intuitive to see how they, how they approach the task that you've given them, right? Right. And what they look for and where they go and what they put their mouse over and stuff like that. I love those kinds of tests. There's those famous eye mapping tests from, you know, the early days of the internet where I don't, and I've talked about this ad nauseum, but I don't think a lot of people realize the way your eye literally moves through a website. And it's this F-shaped kind of design, assuming that you are reading left to right. And (laughs) because not everybody does, but you're going to start. And this is why we put our logo in the top left. And I've been doing this long enough that I've had every argument under the sun for every part of a website. And I have had firms that don't want to put their logo in the top left. And so I send them the article and I tell them why. And at the end of the day, it's your website. You can make those mistakes. But that is not going to be feeling natural to a typical viewer. And then so from the beginning, you're giving them this feeling of like, what's wrong here? Like, this is strange and uncomfortable. And so you put your logo in the top left and then they kind of start to go down and then across and then down and across. And it's this kind of rough F shaped. Right. I recommend those kinds of tests. It's so fascinating to number one, just see what people look at and what their eye is drawn to. And then obviously put something there. That's right. important. <laughs> right. Right. Like a call to action, right? Yes. Click here to do the next thing. Yes. Make it very clear, contrasting color, something that is important to you to move them to the next thing. And and then, like you said, also just g- see how they go through your website. Give them a task. Have them try to find a certain thing. If you think this particular article is really important, see if they can find it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it seems right, kind of simple. Exactly. But I think that's a great idea. Okay, so it is time for the book review. So, Philippa, I know you've got a great one to add. We've got a whole library of books on the website for the listeners to go check out all the recommended options if you're looking for a good one. So what is the book that you have to recommend today? Actually, and it's an old book, which I apologize for. But I I mean, only old in web terms. But it actually speaks to a lot of what we've been talking about. It actually isn't about analytics. It's about usability. Oh, nice which is what we're talking about. You know, the forms are too long and you can't find this and your eye isn't drawn to that and so on. And it's a great book called Don't Make Me Think. Yes. And it's by a guy called Steve Krug, K-R-U-G. And I often say, so I did write my own book uh, a few years ago. Oh, we'll link to that too. Yeah, 42 Ways for Your Website to Win. But 42 Ways for Your um, Website to Win, right? For a website website that wins, yeah. My website is websitesthatwin.com. But Steve Krug wrote this book called Don't Make Me Think. And I often like to say that it's it's the book I wish I'd written <laughs> because he makes it so simple. Most of it is just when you read it and he's got this lovely relaxed style and it's just really easy to read. I read it on a plane. It's just, you know, whiles away at the time. And most of the time that you're reading it, just going, duh. 
because it's yeah. so obvious yeah but you haven't you don't think about it until he points it out I think um, that's the case for so many projects that I've witnessed where we overthink all these things and making things more simple is often a lot more work. There was a great book that Seth Godin wrote way back. This is also an oldie but goodie called The Purple Fez. And he talked yeah. about having every... So assuming that your visitor is a monkey and having every page have one banana. It can't, you know, you have to assume this monkey's a little bit, you know, erratic and he makes very impulsive decisions. If you throw a whole bunch of bananas out, he may either, he may grab the one you don't want him to take for one thing, or he may just get overwhelmed and go do something else, which is how our brains work. <laughs> so right. you have to give them one banana make it very clear and, and just kind of like rethink your website. Look at it. Make sure that like you've got the one banana, you, which is not to say you can't have these things called secondary calls to action, but they should be clearly designed as secondary. So they don't stand out as much. They don't kind of you know, for all the, all the design purposes, we're not going to have that design conversation, but they're not, they don't have the same weight as that main call to action. Okay. So the book is don't make me think Steve Krug, we will link to that, put some info about that on the show page and put that in the library as well. So Philippa, what's a, a big takeaway that you'd like people to have from this episode overall? We talked about a lot of good pointers, places to find problems and obstacles and issues with your site. But what's the kind of main takeaway, one big solid piece of actionable advice that you'd like people to, to have? You know, like I said at the beginning, if you have a website that is in any way important to your business, if you're not looking at the analytics and measuring what's working and what's not working, where you're leaving money on the table, where you're spending money that that isn't doing you any good, then then you're wasting, you're shooting in the dark with your entire investment in that website. Yes. Um, yeah. And and so figure out what you want it to do. I mean, you know, hire somebody to help you if you need it and they can set you up and you can move on. But, you know, don't just let it slide. Don't just look at that. Did we get more of this than last week number and decide that that's all you need to know? Yeah. You know, put some so effort into it and it will really pay you back. Right. Well, and there's so many, we didn't even get into social media or any of that, but I think there's so many distractions that people feel like they need to be in all of these different places when they really don't and shouldn't. Because like you said, are you putting money into places where you're, you're, you shouldn't be? So if you're doing social media, which I'm not saying is bad, but for many firms, it's very important. It is a revenue generator, but know that it is. You know, make these decisions logically based on the revenue and the analytics and the numbers that are coming in because, and then, you know, make sure that you're checking and refining and adjusting over time so that you don't just assume that it's still working. <laughs> right. That can be another huge and, thing. And as I said, you know, with a couple of stories that we told, for example, about creating the ebook products, I mean, that yeah. was an idea we got that made money that we would never have had if we hadn't looked at the analytics. Uh, so the analytics can be a gold mine of, of ideas, not just for, for growing your current business, but also perhaps to extend it, to have some other avenues of, of income and so on. So, you know, don't, don't waste those, those potential insights. Awesome. That is such good, solid advice. I hope everyone takes at least a few good things from this episode because there's, there's money, like you said, being left on the table or being wasted one way or the other. Let's, shore that up, do a better job 
and figure out how you can make more money or stop the waste at the same time. So Philippa Games is a digital marketing strategist. Her website is websites that win. We'll obviously link to your website and all the appropriate places where people can find you, the book that you recommended, all of the good show notes. Thank you so much for being here. This was so insightful. This was great. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the CouncilCast podcast. Be sure to visit our website at council-cast.com for the resources mentioned on the episode and to give us your feedback. If you enjoyed this episode, I would appreciate if you could rate and review the podcast on Apple and subscribe to your favorite podcast platform. See you on the next one.